Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Well, the Colorado Avalanche lose last night in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers in what was a game of the year candidate and actually ended up looking like a game of the year performance. The Oilers win 2-1. to one. The Avs in, a, in about a 40-second span for Bo Byram, who came back after illness, had a bad break, missed an open shot at the net. They could have won it for the Avs. Ends up getting the hooking call on Connor McDavid that leads to what, what felt like an inevitable power play after the abs had uh, solved so many of the power plays earlier in the game felt like an inevitable power play goal but we're talking about this part of the show sandy and the reality of it is that dallas had two games remaining and they had 104 points their maximum was 108 points the abs had 104 points with three games remaining therefore the points they needed to clinch the central no matter what dallas does is five so losing in overtime it's one of those situations that when does a loss not entirely feel like a loss? It's this one. Absolutely. And the coach, uh, Jared Bednar, commented after the game, uh, very much to that effect, <laughs> go out and win two games, which we might have had to do anyway. I, I say that parenthetically. So just go out and win two games. We're division champs. Uh, he said we were scrappy. And I think the generalized commentary last night, both – at the arena and in the ESPN studio between periods and postgame uh, reflected that, reflected that attitude about the game. That Listen, the Avs are getting outplayed, but they're going toe-to-toe with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, all 100-plus point scores this year. I think it was the first time in, what, 37 years yeah. there were five, five 100 point players and five of the top in 10 game. in the league right period in, in in the same game first time 37 top nine if we're being technical and talking about an extraordinary player for the ages in Connor mcdavid whose team now seems to offer adequate support as opposed to last year because they actually have a goaltender this year and they made a great deadline trade for eklund it's already paying many dividends for them, and the playoffs haven't even begun. So these two teams from the conference finals last year, I think it's pretty much a lock, even if they don't finish first in the Pacific, that Edmonton is going to be in the Western Conference Finals again. Now, the Avalanche may or may not have a tougher road in getting to the Western Conference Finals. But three games head-to-head this year, all three played through regulation and on into overtime. And without McCarr, Lekkonen, and Manson, and I'm not even going to include Landis Scott because he hasn't played all oh, year, yeah. and I, I don't even We don't know what he that. looks like on this team. Right? Every indication is that McCarr will be back for the playoffs. Lekkonen will be back for the playoffs. Maybe even a regular season game or two, we will see. Manson. Expected. Probably as, expected as well. to go. Uh, once the playoffs begin, which is roughly, what, five days from today, yes. maybe six. So all that considered, and that the Avalanche did not score a goal all night that came off the stick right. of an Avalanche player, I think getting an overtime loss and getting that point, which puts them a point ahead of Dallas, 
with two games to play, I I thought it was enormous. I think if you're if you're enormous looking at this sport. as an Avs fan, and I mean this is the way to try to, to zoom out. If you're looking at that game as an Avs fan, you're slightly disappointed, but probably going, eh, okay, I'm okay with it. If you're an Oilers fan, you're pretty ticked off. You let the Avalanche have a point. I mean, well, they they were the better team. They were the more they aggressive beat team. The Avalanche this year, That's so true. they were happy. But, but to they beat. were they were better last night. Oh, and without sure. Georgiev, that game is an ugly one. And give this to to Anna. Pardon me, to Edmonton as well. That's now six consecutive games in which they've allowed one or zero goals. Well, that's and the I did not think that was going to happen. And they have done it with Skinner and with Campbell. Yeah, but Campbell hasn't been all that good. No, Skinner has been. But Campbell good. was. Yes. Responsible There's more for two around of those. the goaltending. I, yeah, Skinner's really good. I, 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 mean, now, I don't <laughs> know if he, his numbers aren't quite what Georgiev's are, but he doesn't play as much as Georgiev has had to play. No, he's split either. So, uh, I think. Other than Boston, I must concede at this point, I would give Edmonton a slight edge over the Avs over the second half of the season. Uh, even though both have 62 points, Edmonton's 28-6-6 six and six in its last 40. The Avs 29-7-4. But the four as opposed to an eight in the regulation loss column, to me, may turn out to be decisive i would expect under the circumstances that georgiev would play in both games i think you need that with both the division them. on the line yes and an advantageous uh, position although it was mentioned last night and correctly so in the telecast that even in the west even in the west not quite as strong as the east but even in the west you're going to be playing good teams. I mean, even the first place teams uh, are going to be playing a Seattle team if it's the first place team in the Central, right? Yep. Play most likely a Seattle team that's seven and three in its last ten. You'll games. either play Seattle or the or really the Kings. Those are the yes. those are the t- now, the two options. You know, Winnipeg's out of contention for that, but Winnipeg's going to Winnipeg's going to play Vegas, and Winnipeg or will potentially play Edmonton. Vegas. But let me make mention of this: Winnipeg's seven and three in its last ten games, seven and three. Yeah, how'd the Wild now, feel? They've about had it last some night? overtime losses, but Vegas is six and four. Now they've only lost one in regulation over the last ten, but they've lost three more in overtime. Listen, I think Vegas will win that series, but if you saw the highlights last night of Winnipeg, Minnesota, just jumped out to that 2-0 lead in the first. The sleeping giant may have awakened last night, and you had the coaches shouting, uh, at least a one-way shouting match involving Rick Bonus screaming at Dean Everson. Who, Who basically almost laughed it off. Uh, and got under his skin a little bit. It was more than happy to have some fun with it. it. I don't know how much fun you can have when your team loses a game that consigns you to third place. Well, I I, I don't know what he was laughing about. That the, the guy who was screaming was on the winning mm-hmm. side and thought Minnesota was taking liberties. liberties. Right. But even though they can't meet in the playoffs, boy, I'd love to see those two laying a series. But yeah, the, the Jets that looked dangerous happen. last but night. That's my point. And if you awaken a sleeping giant, talking about a team 
that was very, very good early in the season. The first half of the year, Winnipeg yeah, was very, very really good. good. They point. were ahead of the Avalanche in the standings. And, you know, 46 wins, I mean, they're not going to win 50. But, you know, 2018 and two in their last 40. But that means they were 26, 14, and one. At roughly the half, well, and they exactly the halfway point of the season. That's scoring. a good team. Now, have they lost it? Yes. But they have an excellent goaltender. Mm-hmm. A prerequisite oh, for playoff success. Oh, my goodness, yes. And they have, as you mentioned, a balanced attack. So, I, and the point was, there are no walkover series for, for anybody, necessarily. I don't know that anybody, it looks like it'll be the, the, the avalanche, possibly. I don't know that... It, the Avalanche or anybody else would be all that thrilled about playing Seattle and Vegas probably is getting the weakest team in the playoffs. But the weakest team in the playoffs is five points shy of a hundred points. And I'll say this. I believe that I, for the Avalanche, the matchup, I would rather have the matchup against the Kraken than I would the Jets. And part of that is Hellebuck who we've seen him have, I agree. A lot of success. So for the Avs, if it ends up being, if they can hold on to the Central, and the 2-7 is uh, Avalanche and Kraken with the Avalanche, of course, holding home ice, I would argue that actually, out of all of the Western Conference series, might be the most favorable one for the home team. I, I, get, I think I, it's Edmonton about rolling, as well as you can do. But the Kings are, yeah. as we know, the Kings are very, very good. Uh, they're a really good team. And uh, I, while I think the Oilers are better than the Kings, do I expect them to sweep them? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. Probably not. Uh, Edmonton's just... <laughs> right now they're playing absolutely uh, 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 lights out. So f- uh, fabulous in, the, in in everything they're doing. And to hold them off the scoreboard on a four-minute power play, that may have been the best penalty-killing effort of the season. Oh, unquestionably. For the Avalanche. I mean, you saw the to stat. To hold a team that scores on one of every three yeah. power plays... To essentially, maybe one or two. I know they had a bunch of shots, I guess, but they didn't really have great chances apart from maybe one or two. No, and you know what the difference was? And if you're looking at the abs, one of the things that I think they'll be frustrated with and probably have been since that game. Georgiev does something that last year, even though they won a Stanley Cup, Darcy Kemper did it. Pavel Frantzos did it. Georgiev does not. And what I'm talking about, is leave a bunch of very, very tasty rebounds. He doesn't. Huh? When he gets uh, on his know. hands on the puck, that gets smothered. Yep. It saved them goals. You saw that the well, Avs had, it, had oppor- opportunities. penalty killing yes. that you kill the play. You saw allow the for Avs had opportunities against Skinner to get some goals. They weren't able to do it, but Skinner was leaving some rebounds. Georgiev was not. I mean, that's one of the reasons that, that this game was that close. Georgiev was in a loss. Georgiev. As good as he's been all year. I thought so. I, I really did, and I, I haven't seen, speaking of the second half of the season, I think you can count on one hand the number of, forget about stinkers, subpar performances from Georgiev, and last night he was the backbone because you had a goal that was fluky. Fluky. Yeah. At, at, at best. I mean, this is at, textbook at why you throw it on net, right? But, but fluky. Well, it, the guy who threw it on net, was in Edmonton 
Yeah, well, and I mean, Myers, Myers, Myers threw it but forwards. My, Bukestad listen, tried to slide to it Myers, away. And, who did some good things leading up to the goal, but, you know, the big guns, five on five and on the power play, were really shut down last night and outnumbered, frankly, because the Avs have two 100-point scores and Edmonton's got three. three. And Mind-bending. they uh, don't come off the ice very much they on don't. the power play. They have a first power play unit and I guess nominally a second power play unit, which from what I could see last night, hardly ever plays. Yeah, they don't play much for sure. It's, it's literally play. a matter on of the power seconds. Play they don't. Yeah, it's a matter of seconds until they find a way to get him, uh, that that main power play unit back on. So uh, a tough loss to an extent, but not really anything that is necessarily costly. Not damaging. Not right. really damaging. You have to win the next two, but you probably had to do that anyway. Look, the the... Stars play the St. Louis Blues tonight. Uh, the field, at least the eight teams are set, if not the seeds in the West. But St. Louis is not a team that tends to go away quietly. They'd be more than happy against a uh, a, a team that they consider a rival in the Stars. I don't, I don't think it's a given that they, they, they win that game tonight. And if that's the case, then the Avalanche just have to win one of their last two. Um, give it to Ben Myers, though. It's easy to forget. Ben Myers, who the Avs signed last year, as basically the top available college free agent coming out of the University of Minnesota. And I understand uh, the goal he had last night was uh, fluky. But, you know, you throw it on net, good things happen sometimes, too. That's the way it is. But this is well, a guy. three goals in five games, however you get them. Right. Yeah, he's got, he's got three in his last five. But this is where I wonder a little bit as the Avs look for a few things. Here was Ben Myers' record at the University of Minnesota, which is, of course, a powerhouse program and, was very, very good when he was there. 26 points in 37 games as a sophomore. 28 in 31, almost a point a game as a junior. 41 in 34 as a senior, more than a point a game, and a plus player every year of his career. This is not a nobody player off the scrap heap, because you're starting to see more and more some of the best players in college are taking advantage of a loophole to basically become free agents and pick your team instead of getting drafted by a bad team. Myers may end up being a player for the Avs. And Bednar talked about it after the game, talked about him and said it felt like the game was slowing down. He's starting to exactly. be more aggressive exactly. and take it to, you know, it's, it makes more sense He said for the him. details of his game, every time we brought him up, have been better. Yes. And he looks like he belongs now on the Avalanche, not the Eagles, to me. Now, all of a sudden, you have another accomplished college player who's only 24 years old that has good size, 5'11", 195. And you have a potential. I'm not saying suggesting he's going to be Kale McCarr or Miko Rantanen. But when you're looking for guys that could be secondary scorers, guys that have some upside in their career, don't sleep on Ben Myers, who was an outstanding college player and may be able to hop in and make some bit of a dent here. Ben Myers isn't going to win speed skating contest. Nope. However, when Bednar, after the game, unprompted, said, this team is scrappy. They're a resilient group. They grind. They work. You take the collective and apply it to an individual. Who does it apply yeah. to most? Wasn't talking about I speed would argue for Myers. Yeah. I would argue that he is describing Myers, although he's talking about the team collectively, and he's talking about people other than Myers, I suppose. Logan O'Connor, I thought, was outstanding. Another player Last you time. would describe in similar right. ways. Right. O'Connor with two uh, terrific blocks on that 
a long double minor. Uh, both of them seem to sting him, still sticking his nose in there, getting the uh, kudos appropriately so from the broadcast team uh, on, yes. on TNT about that as well. Uh, I mean, this was this was a great, entertaining hockey game that didn't go the way anybody thought with all the talent on on the ice. Well, without a we lot thought of we'd see some goals. Oh yeah, like the last time when it was six to five right. in overtime. Absolutely, it was nothing like that last night, and the goaltenders had a lot to do with it. But you know, speed can work both ways, as was pointed out on the telecast last night. Speed can help you defensively too, and if you're committed to the checking game. That's another big difference with Edmonton that I see, and it's the way the Avalanche have to play because they aren't as dynamic. But, but you know who did that last top night? Line talent in the line. Bo Byron was harassing Evander Kane all night. Yeah, uh, Samuel Gerrard. Samuel uh, Gerrard. That, that, that was, at that one was point. as physical a game as I've seen Samuel Gerrard play. Yeah, I mean, in it all stood out years. to me that he was actually playing a. Fit, he was actually he taking was it to the opponent last night. He was great. I thought he was great. He and Taves were, I thought, sensational. And they're good as a tandem. It's a better tandem from Gerard. Nothing against Bo Byram, but Gerard and Byram aren't as good a tandem. They're too much alike. Taves plays with McCarr, and it seems like when Gerard plays with Taves, and he's had mm-hmm. some opportunities to do that as many games as McCarr has missed, especially lately. I think Gerard is better. And Gerard I, is better and feels easier. a little more comfortable and, strangely enough, feels more inclined to express himself physically than he, he would with Byron. He had more recorded hits than Taves. Uh, when, when, and, and the nice thing about that with Gerard, the Gerard-Taves pairing, and I think it's really interesting you bring that up, and I think you're right, is that it also gives Jared Bednar a little bit of leeway because now with Byron healthy, he doesn't have to mess with all three of his pairings. Now you can leave that second pairing with Byram there and understand, okay, McCarr's not there. We just promote Gerard. We'll put in Brad Hunt in this case and, and rock and roll. And you don't have to worry about changing all of the pairings. Yeah. That's advantageous yeah, that's too. That's, so, that's helpful. And uh, it, it was good to see Byron back. I didn't think it was one of his better games necessarily, but it was good to see him back uh, coming off an illness. And it seems like reading between the lines, and Emily Kaplan is a good reporter. She's between the benches. Uh, on their number one telecasting team, and she was talking about, for all intents and purposes, McCarr being available for the playoffs, but not before the playoffs, from what she could gather. And she added at the end, and that's what a pro does, um, I don't really know, and I'm not sure they really know on a number of these injuries either, to the extent that they can pinpoint the most likely time that a given player can return. Jared Bednar, however, today suggested that Kale McCarr's absence last night was a, quote, scheduled day off. I don't so know if what you don't, that means. It means I, he's, I have no idea. It, it tells me that he can come back when they want him to come back. That's what it tells me. I, well, we, we will it tells me the same. I, I, Bo, Bo I have Byron. never heard that before. I love Jared Bednar. I've never heard in the midst of missing games due <laughs> to a quote-unquote lower body injury that he had a scheduled day off. Bo Byron, by I, the way. I mean, way. And it, li- listen, with anybody else, you'd say uh, McCarr came down with the uh, Connor McDavid flu, maybe, yeah, and, and didn't want to come back against Connor McDavid, but we know that McCarr is not like that, and the Avalanche wouldn't hold him out. Uh, in a playoff setting, though, I agree with you. I think the proper interpretation is that in a playoff circumstance, 
especially in a big playoff game. Not not game I think one the, or anything, but he would have played. I think the Avs might not have wanted to task him with that right out the gate. Yes, but that probably down. not the game to come back on where speed, speed, and more speed is a prerequisite. Bowen Byron, by the way, coming back in that game, not playing well. If he plays in the next two, there might be some incentive there. There's some clear incentive financially. If he plays in the last two games, that gets him to 42, which means he's eligible for the bonuses that he would otherwise get. But he has to play both remaining games. If he does an extra four hundred twenty-five thousand um, dollars. I'd, I'd find a way to even even I'd find for a way to major professional dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I think I'd try to to, to suck it up for a couple of games. <laughs> the uh, as we'll get back to the Azul later, and uh, Katie Goss from the Altitude TV will join us. But we'll uh, turn our attention to Colorado Preps. An interesting story up in Broomfield. We want to break it down with Colorado Preps? Dan Mormon will do that next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Have an opportunity to speak with Dan Mormon. Of course, Dan, a uh, long time, long time reporter in, in town and putting together all sorts of things over Mile High Sports magazine. And of course, the man uh, at the tip of the spear for ColoradoPreps.com. And uh, you ended up breaking a, an uncomfortable story, not fun stories to break, but up in, uh, up in Broomfield with the Boulder Valley. A school district there. The head coach uh, ends up being removed from that role. They won the 4A state title, but after multiple months of uh, an investigation, uh, you had basically broken the story that he would not be back. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, you get a tip. It's, it's, you know, not unlike you're working a Broncos beat or anything. But you get a tip that hey, um, this is what's happening. This is what's being told. The players had received an email from the school saying that. Blair Hubbard will not return. I was able to get it confirmed through the athletic director. Uh, and the second that went out, it blew up. I mean, Kyle Clark over at Channel 9, who right. does a lot of hard-hitting stuff. Kyle was, you know, he picked that up. Boulder Daily Camera, Boco Preps, Brent New, and the guys over there, they do a fantastic job. They also uh, picked that up pretty quickly. And it's one of those big talking points. It doesn't matter if it's mid-April and we're right in the middle of track and field season, lacrosse season, baseball season, a defending football state champion is moving on from their head coach, and it's not a uh, a situation where he's had enough or you know he wants to try different things. This was behavior was not up to the standard of the Boulder Valley School District. They put him on administrative leave, and they made the de- the conscious decision to uh, to move on. Worth noting, cleared of criminal wrongdoing. He was cleared of criminal the, wrongdoing. But the uh, universe, the pardon me, the, the program decided the same. In fact, uh, Principal Ginger Ramsey, Athletic Director Steve Shelton, uh, wrote a, a press release about that, saying, "We want to acknowledge the challenges and frustrations been felt by many of you during this process. While we regret the process was lengthy, it's important to have a complete and adequate investigation into allegations that would have serious consequences for students and employees." Um, this is a, but the, the finishes by saying coach Hubbard will not return to his coaching and teaching positions at Broomfield high school. So this is obviously one of those situations where there's at least some sort of smoke, there's fire in the fact that the, the school did not want him back in any capacity. And now they've decided to move on. But when you're talking about a state champion program, now that we'll be uh, posting and the, it's also pointed out directly. So yeah, it's a 
public school. You, yeah. you have to post a job like right. anything else and, and hire from there. I would imagine that's going to be something of a destination. Yeah, and, and what, I'm, what I'm trying to figure out, and I didn't get to talk to Steve too long. I basically wanted to confirm the information, wanted to confirm what they were doing with the job. He said that they were going to have an open search and welcoming all candidates, internal and external. Um, it, it almost feels like a situation where they may want to get the full stench is a bad word, but it might be the right word, the full stench of the situation gone. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them look outside, outside. the program. Yeah. And, and bring in a fresh face and just kind of put that, that chapter to bed. I mean, you can't, you can't really knock the the job that Coach Hubbard did with the Eagles, especially last year. He was, a, uh, I think, a three-time state championship winning coach at Faith Christian. So he had that background. He went to Lutheran, and then he went to Broomfield and was able to do something for them that hadn't been done in a very long time. And it, it's just one of those unfortunate situations. And when you deal with those in high school athletics, it just makes everything feel a little... You know, it's a bad taste in their mouth. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that the school district would want to move on from completely. And I haven't had a chance to talk to um, Boulder Valley District AD Harry Waterman. Harry and I go back a few years. I'd love to pick his ear on it, but uh, so far he hasn't returned any of my calls. Would you buy the supposition that as you go up through high school, major college, major professional? It is on the high school level where criminal behavior might not be at issue here, but objectionable behavior is seemingly involved. And those two things are more closely considered, not necessarily in tandem, but not as far removed from each other as objectionable behavior would be from criminal behavior on the collegiate level, on the major professional sports level. You, I mean, you're dealing with high school kids here. Anything that's objectionable is fireable. And and that's really the big point is you're dealing with kids. You know, when you, even in college in some degree, and we can still call them kids, there is a level of professionalism that comes with that, um, with that level of play that – you can survive. You look at, I mean, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is a great example of a guy who has fallen and fallen and fallen, and he's still very much in the mix. Absolutely. Now, it's very important to note that because Blair is cleared of any criminal wrongdoing, that if he's able to sit down with someone and explain the situation, uh, whatever the situation is, and um, and it can come on and, and really represent his side of it and why and, and properly demonstrate why he was cleared of any criminal wrongdoing. It's not unthinkable. To, it's not unimaginable that he can get back into the coaching realm. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, involved in the high school athletics world a couple months ago about this. If Blair were to were to be were to leave or or were to be fired, you look at a spot, a job that's open right now, and say Durango. And it's just one that comes to mind where it's removed from the situation. That's not going to be a that's going to be a decent level destination job. Um, I can't remember. I God, I, I deal with so much. I can't remember if that job's been filled yet. But um, but as it, an example. But as an example, that's that's distant enough away, and Blair's a big enough name considering what he's done 
that there might be, you know, some kind of reconciliation to that point. So, um, you know, there's a there, there's also a chance he he decides to uh, maybe throw his hat in the ring somewhere in Texas or or leave the area, and that would be unfortunate. Um, it, it with Colorado being his home, and it's been his home for so long now. But um, yeah, to go back to your original question, Sandy, once when you're dealing with high school kids, I think there's a much much bigger microscope yeah. under the oh. way that you carry yourself, not just on the field, but especially off the field. Yeah, obviously that's a large part of the, of the way it works with the uh, the youth sports in general, whether it's at the high school level or below. Because I, I think you're right. That's that's an interesting way of putting it. Objectionable is yeah. fireable, depending yeah. on yeah. where you are, right? And and the way that you you rebuild a career, obviously, it ends up being different based on those situations. But moving away from from that particular football arena, it is baseball season, <laughs> obviously. And and when you're talking, that, look, the Rockies aren't going anywhere. So uh, in, in the high school scene, and by the way, Colorado's high. We've seen it last couple of years, right? We're starting to see more of Colorado's athletes. Of course, Kyle Cleveland for the Rockies is one, but uh, Case Williams traded back to the Rockies from Douglas County High School. Mm-hmm. Lots of players from Colorado starting to make more of an impact. What does the scene look like right now? I mean, in Colorado, people always want to say Cherry Creek, right? Mark Johnson's a big, big name. Of course. Um, legendary. Legendary. Uh, he was a Rocky scout for the longest time, but for Absolutely. me, because I, I attended a smaller school, and unfortunately, we ran up against this squad several times in the postseason. You got to look at Eaton and a kid in Walker Martin, their starting shortstop. He was the quarterback of their football team. Everywhere you go, everyone says, well, he's projected to be a first round pick. He's projected to be a first round pick. I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick, but I do know the kid is a hell of a baseball player. And he's got a D1 uh, scholarship waiting for him at Arkansas. If he does go in the first round, I think that's a really hard um hard situation to pass on if you're a 19 year old kid uh but he's got uh he's got all the tools of uh a big league baseball player he's gonna have that team rolling they also have an Oklahoma State commit they have a University of Oklahoma commit your biggest baseball factory in the state right now is at Eaton uh this weekend though I'm gonna be I'm gonna have some fun I'm gonna jump in the car and go on a little road trip and check out number one versus number two in 2A, and I'm going to head over to Buena Vista and see uh, the Demons take on the Peyton Panthers, who coincidentally live, you know, they're stationed about 20 minutes from my house, so naturally I've got to drive two hours to go see them play. <laughs> but, uh, that, you know, that's what I do. It doesn't. It's a marquee matchup. It doesn't matter where the matchup is. And I, I got a call from their athletic director, Adam Bright, this morning, or a text, um, really pushing for that and, Adam's one of those guys that when he wants you to check out a game like that, you pay attention, and I have no problem. It's worth paying attention to. It's worth paying attention to. So I'm going to jump in the car Saturday morning, maybe grab a couple big bags of sunflower seeds and uh, listen to some tunes on my way out to Buena Vista and check out some good quality baseball. We're talking with Dan Mormon of Colorado Preps. Make sure you check out coloradopreps.com and all the appropriate social media with that for uh, all the latest because this is obviously a really interesting beat. And, of course, uh, over at Mile High Sports, the magazine last month was our our uh, 20th annual preps issue where uh-huh. we basically graded every single high school in the entire state, mm-hmm. regardless of classification. That was a, a lot of us work on that magazine, but let's face it, that was mostly you. Yeah. It was well and Doug. <laughs> and Doug. I mean and Doug, and Doug, of course. Um I definitely but bring Doug's uh, not here, so mostly uh, you. Uh definitely some depth of knowledge 
to the situation. Uh, Marino ended up winning the high school rankings, and they're classified number one, and it's basically a per capita ranking. Okay. That's that's the best way to describe it. Um, their level of success, they won state volleyball. They won state baseball last year at 1A. So um, Doug does a good job of pulling some little quips from stories that I've written in the past and including it into uh, his write-up for Marino. The girls' volleyball team went to Texas – Roadhouse after they won the state title because I don't know if they have one of those near Marino and they were in the Denver area so um it's it's our favorite issue to work on every year obviously me because I'm so deep in the high school realm uh Doug his dad was the chass commissioner for a long time so his his roots are also right there in the high school world I have to check where my Mustangs are oh yeah well you and I are both Mustangs. I mean, you're a Ponderosa Mustang. I'm a Manitou Springs right. Mustang. Right. Those are two very different things. Distinct. And the people from Mullen are saying the same thing. So I right. Get <laughs> Colorado Academy. Sure. We've got a lot of Mustangs around. There's a few. So um, it's always a great issue to work on. I, I always recommend people checking it out. We've got Derek White on the cover. We've mm-hmm. got five versions of Derek White on the cover. <laughs> Uh, one in each uniform he wore from Legend High School right. to UCCS, uh, where I first saw him play, and then CU and his two Spurs pro teams. And then, yeah, at uh, uh, Boston. So you can always, by the way, even though we now, our baseball issue is on stands now, you can always go to MileySports.com slash magazine and access all of that. You can right. check it out at your convenience. So if you or, missed it, make sure you check it out. Or you can do something stupid like DM an idiot like me, and I'll try and get a magazine into your hands. There you go. <laughs> I, I have no problem getting our product into I mean, people's you, hands. You saw, you saw how long he's going to drive. How do they do that? How do they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Mormon. You can follow me on Instagram at Dan Mormon underscore CP. Check us out at ColoradoPreps.com. And uh, every once in a while, I pop in and I talk to guys like you and Anilo and Cody, and I love it. Yeah, it's tremendous to, to be a part of the team. And thanks for the, the time, Dan. Appreciate it. Always. All right, thank you. Dan Appreciate Mormon it, joining us from Colorado Preps. We just I just kind of lassoed him in, basically. He was in the office and like, yeah, you have to come in and talk. So uh, I'm I'm doing that. Be warned, well, anyone else outside there in the studio? Steps. No, no, no. That's, what? I'm just, yeah, that's a couple steps. steps. A lot smaller than that drive to Buena Vista yeah. is going to be this weekend. So <laughs> the Avalanche <laughs> find themselves, surprisingly, despite the tie, they're actually still in the catbird seat. We'll take a look at what the next two games mean for them, knowing that their last two opponents, by the way, are now eliminated from the postseason. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Allow me to clarify what I said if you were over that uh, commercial break yelling at your, your radio or your app or MileHighSports.com or over you're consuming this program. First, thank you. And second, you're right. Uh, the Avalanche's final two opponents are not eliminated from the playoffs, I should clarify. Neither of them have anything to play for. The Winnipeg Jets, the Avalanche opponent on Thursday, is in the playoffs but locked into the eighth seed. So they are essentially disincentivized from playing anyone of note against the Avalanche in a game where they could get injuries and, and they can't improve their position anyway. Right. They can't fall out of the playoffs. They can't move from eighth place. 
So I think they're as likely to rest people as Nashville is, to be honest. And the two teams qualitatively aren't that far apart. Uh, basically, uh, Nashville's lost fewer games in regulation, and Winnipeg's won five more games this year. The Nashville has won. One has 95 points, the other has 90. Uh, interesting matchups because the Avs finish, of course, with Winnipeg and Nashville, and Dallas has that home-and-home with St. Louis. And St. Louis is an eliminated team, but St. Louis is a belligerent team. It's goaltender. <laughs> it's maybe the most disliked goaltender in the league where you have a fair number of uh, different personalities. He is the flakiest of the flaky. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Jordan Bennington is pretty good beloved. I mean, we had Marc-Andre Fleury try to fight him. Later what does that year. tell you? I mean, he, the tried, ultimate to, he tried to fight him. He tried to skate out to half, to half, uh, half uh, ice there and tried to fight him. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. So, uh, But the other advantage the Avs have are is that the this home and home, it is in St. Louis tonight for the Stars. And it is in Dallas on Thursday. And then they're done. So they've wrapped up. They'll play 82 games on Thursday. For the Avs, they will play the Winnipeg Jets at home. Winnipeg, like, like I mentioned, we talked about disincentivized to play starters. Maybe you don't get Hellebuck. Uh, I, I mean, if I were Winnipeg, I wouldn't play him. Why would I play him in a road game against a good team that I wouldn't bother? So, you know, you may get a Winnipeg team that, that doesn't care in Denver. And then, if you have to... You will know what you need to do against Nashville. Now, if Dallas were to lose tonight and the Avalanche win tomorrow, win tomorrow, they clinch. It's over. And, and then, then everybody can rest. Can rest. Everybody. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. You could rescue her, yeah, which would be ideal. So, you know, if you're an Avs fan, you want to see St. Louis uh, in there. By the way, that's on to get that TNT done. tonight, it is TNT. and it will not be blacked out. Uh, it is like on the TNT. TN. And uh, their Thursday night game will be on blacked ESPN out. as well. So right. you'll be able to catch right. both of those right. Stars final games. Uh, the the Avs uh, last games are seen. But as we mentioned yesterday, too, uh, Mike Singer reported it first from Denver Post. The first round games for the Avalanche and the Nuggets are apparently going to be available in Denver's market regardless of what you have. They will be, if it's a if it's a WNBA, I mean, it's a, an NBA TV game, TNT, ESPN, whatever it is, Apparently, they're also going to be shown there. Forgive my cynicism, but is there anything at all to the notion that they tried to run one up the flagpole Sunday night and the response was not pleasant? Cynicism is usually the smart choice when we're talking about the sports world, especially the broadcasting uh, world in particular. Um Possibly. I think possibly to trying to see how that, that would play out. And then uh, since it did not necessarily play out well for a lot of people, uh, that may have been enough for the league and the teams to come to some sort of agreement. But I talked about this kind of at length yesterday. It's a smart move because this is, without question, the greatest the Avalanche and the Nuggets have ever been simultaneously. The Avalanche are the no defending doubt. champs. No doubt. The Nuggets, for and the, the first time in history, are, are the top seed in the West. Right. They have bonafide never been championship better. Contender. You have the Norris winner in Kale McCarr. You have two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. There should be kids running around in number 15 Nuggets jerseys, number 27 Nuggets jerseys, 
Uh, number one, Nuggets jerseys. Number 29, Avs jerseys. And eight, Avs jerseys. And 95, Avs jerseys. And what, what have you. And because this team's been off of the largest cable provider in the Metro Denver area by subscriber base, that's just a fact. You have a bunch of, of kids who, during the peak time for both of these teams simultaneously, they have not been able to watch that team with regularity. And guess what happens? Who did they, they become Giannis fans or Embiid fans or Connor McDavid fans? Guys they can watch. Guys they can watch. And, and not only is that really a, a sad situation in the short term, but in the longer term, it could be particularly short-sighted because these are, these are the fans that 20 years from now, you're going to be hitting up to buy season tickets but they might not be fans of your team. It, there's a lasting I am effect. I'm trying to imagine a scenario during my upbringing, which did not include the telecasting of a whole lot of games, but if they had been entirely blacked out, right? Home and road alike. I wasn't growing up expecting to see the Knicks and Rangers playing home games on TV, unless right. they were national games. But... I expected to see him on the road. And, you know, I I would go in person to a fair number of home games, but the attachment was there in a way that it can't be now for kids uh, growing up. And I don't know that the Rangers were loaded with superstar talent, but the Knicks sure were. Late 60s, early 70s. Uh, yes. I mean, if you're talking about Frazier and yeah. Reed in particular, yeah, you're, you're talking about all-stars, you're talking about MVP candidates, you're talking about young players who were drafted by the Knicks and came up in, in their system, which did change. And uh, Bill Bradley got drafted and Dave DeBusher was acquired in a trade. And it, just the chance to see these, these teams when they were contending for something, and I, I I remember 1972, both were in the final. Yeah, the Rangers made the Stanley Cup final. series. Right. right, they lost, but they they were in that. As did the Knicks that particular year to the Lakers, and the mm -hmm. Rangers, of course, lost to the Bruins that year. So uh, all those games were available on national TV, as will playoff games. This year be available apparently yes. right throughout, and that'll be and all of them because by the second round they're all national yes. anyway. Yes. They're all and, national, and so anyway. off you go. So that's, that's right. a good sign, and maybe maybe the the ice is starting to thaw a little bit. But there are challenges today. Um, Diamond, which is owned by Sinclair, which bought ATT Sportsnet, uh, totally okay if you're not with me on all of this. Three of the teams of the fourteen that they have a deal with in the Colorado Rockies are one. They, they basically argued that they're not going to pay their normal rights fees starting next month and made the argument that we don't have to because of our contract, which Major League Baseball's immediately responded with a, a fleet of lawyers saying, the heck you don't, probably in stronger words than that. And this is coming for the Rockies eventually, too. We talked about it yesterday. It's, it's, it's a weird state of affairs at, for various reasons. And uh, Sean Keeler in the Denver Post wrote a nice story about it uh, earlier this week on the, on the weekend about how it's complicated. But the truth of the matter is it's weird. If you're a fan of Denver sports teams, the best place to watch them all is don't live in Colorado. Yes. That's messed up. Yeah. I mean, that's not the way it should oh, go. I, 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 have, <laughs> I have people, um, family members situated around the country 
they seen Nikola Jokic. More than a lot of fans have. More than many fans do, and, you know, about as much as I do, probably. It's they, a, and they're able to kind of, it's kind of nice to have a conversation because they know who you're talking about, but like what, what a short-sighted view of, of things because this won't be true forever. I know the Nuggets right. are relatively young, and, and the Avalanche actually are quite young for the most part. And most of their players are signed for long term. Right. Of course, the Exactly. So they, they're both going to be good for a while, but the championship you never know simultaneously that after this <laughs> year, there will be another year like this. You just, maybe, but there's a chance that maybe you'll never have these confluence of circumstances at play ever again it is it is a shame and uh fortunately maybe maybe sandy maybe it's over maybe this is the detente that leads to a to a solution because it, it sounds quite frankly as if maybe the uh, leagues themselves decided to get involved they're like no we're going to feature some of our championship caliber teams in their in their requisite markets so you that's that's a good sign made too. me appreciate the nuggets even more watching the play-in games last night and particularly the one in the West. Right. And listen, I think the Nuggets got a break when the Lakers rallied. Uh, yes, I was sweating that one out. you get away from the Lakers. I don't now. want the Lakers in the right. first round. No, no. No, thank you. Happy so now happen. the only possibilities are Minnesota, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City, not the Lakers. All of which the Nuggets should be able to defeat. With I'm not going to say ease, but but they should they are well, clearly the better team. I'll tell you what, clearly the better team of those three. Minnesota gets a second shot at home. Oklahoma City plays at New Orleans tonight, but even if the home team wins, New Orleans has to then go on the road right. and play Minnesota. Now, I I'm going to steal a line because I liked it so much from. Michael Wilbon of ESPN, who remarked the other day that the Minnesota Timberwolves major in stupid. <laughs> and I thought that was a great <laughs> way of putting it. Not that they're a dumb basketball team. We all see that. They do major in stupid. And once again, last night, they majored in stupid. And the thing about the, thing, the reason you know they're stupid is because they actually have a very good head coach in Chris Finch. He's a yeah, very good sure coach. They do. And they have blown more 10-plus point leads. It's something like 19 times this year they've had a lead of 10 or more points, and they've blown the ball game. That's extraordinary. It happened again last night. They scored nine points in the fourth quarter. Nine. Until they were handed three foul shots at the mm -hmm. end that Conley made so that they so scored they 12 they scored 13 they win the game now you're up 13. with 86 points after three quarters you played three pretty good offensive quarters. here was the other quarters 28 points 32 points 26 points right they had to get half of their worst quarter right and, and they, they won, won the game won the game and they can't manage that and it isn't because they got tired and they, they were shorthanded and they got tired they had it's 20 turnovers they just weren't smart and Connolly was the least of the offenders Connolly actually had a very good game, and the numbers show, as they so often do with Carl Anthony Towns, that he had a good game. But if you watch the game, 
the Lakers had Austin Reeves guarding him in the fourth quarter, and he would not take Reeves inside. Refused to do Town, it. Was Towns, stepping yeah. back to take jump shots. That's that's the the knock on Towns is that he he is a he's a six player. three guard. Yeah, in a six, seven, yeah, six, 11, ten, seven six, foot body. body. Right. Right. And uh, he thinks I will like say this. Anthony Edwards is not going to go three for 17 again. Well, no, except he banged up a shoulder last night. Mm-hmm. He fell on his shoulder, and listen, he was shooting badly before that, so it might not have made that much difference, but it certainly didn't help. And, you know, the three were, I think, at least two of them were layups. I don't know that he made a jump shot all night. He might have made one at the most. I, I, I did see. I was going back and forth for nine. with the Avalanche game and, and this play-in game, and I saw him make two layups. So if he made one jumper, that's the max. And it made a, it might have been something between a jumper and a layup, a floater or something like that, or an alley-oop, whatever. Um, but it, I, I agree, probably back home he won't shoot three for 17 again. He's an extraordinary talent, but he may be banged up. And, of course, it, just the sight of McDaniels on the bench with that broken hand reminds you of how silly and immature this team is. And, of course, Gobert nowhere to be found because he was suspended for the game last night. Yeah, and who knows what they'll do next time as well. But we turn our attention back to the Avalanche. We have an opportunity to talk to uh, one of the people around them the most. Katie Goss of Altitude Television joins us next on Mile High Sports. Oh, no. 